0: hi i'm stephanie and this is real housewives of neopia together we're going to re-explore some dark depths of pop culture most of which you've willfully forgotten about If you missed the news, I'm now covering Rock of Love Season 1 on Patreon every Wednesday. The first episode is available here for free, so please listen to it. I think it's my favorite episode I've ever done since I'm so passionate and connected to the source material. I wanted to once again remind everyone who's using the Anchor support feature Switch over to Patreon.com slash of Neopia if you prefer. You can continue to use that if you want because the option is still available, but the $5 Patreon tier will unlock weekly bonus episodes, and from a consumer perspective, that seems to be a way more inviting and worthwhile prospect. Covering Rock of Love for just one day has breathed new life into me, And I just want to pay that forward. I'm an altruist. It's like the human centipede, but with crisp oxygen instead. As we all know, I'm an obsessed freak, and there's a high chance you'll learn some new things in this new chapter. So I left off on a major cliffhanger last week. There was pie drama brewing behind the scenes, and I just want to set the record straight. After a little bit of agonizing, I decided to infuse whipped cream with jasmine tea instead of rosemary. The results were lovely. I liked it, but I honestly should have done rosemary. I will do it at some point. The pie itself, lemon if you forgot was fucked up. I don't know if this vernacular is limited to me and Aaron, or if it's a thing people actually say, but just so you know, when I describe food as being fucked or fucked up, I mean that it's really good. The lemon curd recipe was super tart and well-balanced, and it was definitely the correct decision to make the crust with arrowroot cookies. As I said last week, both the lemon curd and the pie crust recipe came from Claire Soffitt's Dessert Person book. The book itself is very much worth purchasing for a variety of reasons, but if you want either recipe, just DM me and I'll literally take a picture of the page. Same goes for any recipe in it. If we're being open and honest, I ate the whole thing in under 24 hours, and I'm at peace with that. Pies cooling on a windowsill is also, like, the height of humor for Aaron, so I was happy to fulfill his fantasy. Every time it comes up in conversation, which with us is more often than you would think, All I can think of is that iconic Tumblr post that says, Bitch, if my son is stealing pies off the windowsill, it's because I taught him to do that. While we're riding the sweets wave, I have to shout out the cutest and funniest review I received that stated, I don't even watch reality TV. I'm here for the snack review content. And because I like the host, she seems like a good person. And they also use the review headline snacks. So thank you so much for that, first and foremost. That does genuinely mean a lot to me. But secondly, this is for you. I was thrilled this morning to receive a package from Friend of the Pod and Certified Queen Susan that contained flavor multitudes. As of this morning, there were 30 different kinds of Kit Kats in my possession, and not that many remain. So far, we've tried the following sparkling wine, sakura sake, passion fruit, rich matcha, Kyoto matcha, raspberry, strawberry cheesecake, cranberry almond, sakura mochi, mango, salted lemon, coffee, hojicha, basque cheesecake, bitter, cookies and cream, peach, salted lychee, sweet potato, and tochi otome. So it's been a big day for us. I've very much been in a place of hojicha lately, so I enjoyed that one a lot. Hojicha is roasted green tea, and it has a very particular and beautiful flavor that I love. Plus, it brings back great memories because I'd always drink it during my udon vendors. Real fans know. I don't want to derail the Kit Kat discourse, but earlier this week, I also had a matcha hojicha twist soft serve situation from Tsujiri, and it inspired greatness from within. The salted flavors are always a big standout, mostly because of the deranged manner in which I disassemble my Kit Kats. So I'm able to appreciate the salty cream between the wafer layers. It's very interesting. I also didn't know what Tochi Otome was until I Googled it, but they're really beautiful and expensive strawberries. The KitKat in question definitely reflects this. I've seen them at H Mart before, like ages ago, and I was like, why are these strawberries $666? But now I get it, and I want to be their pay pig. Basically, we had a fun time with all the Kit Kats thus far. I guess if I had to pick, I favored the Sakura Saki and Sakura Mochi flavors a little less because their take on the Sakura flavor is perfumey in a powdery way that I didn't love, but they were still fun to try. They kind of tasted like what I picture uh, Karen's LaDame perfume to smell like. I still haven't smelled LaDame. Have any of you? Can you report back? Because if it's good, I want to support her. As a side note, I do love the regular Saki Kit Kats. There are still more to go, but presumably it'll be handled by the end of tonight. I'm also really jazzed on the idea of making three ingredient Japanese pancake because it came up on my recommended videos and I know the entire premise sounds very like BuzzFeed cuisine and that assessment is kind of accurate because the guy, his name is Alvin Zhao, he does work for BuzzFeed Tasty but this was on his personal channel. I also want to recommend his personal channel in general because I find his content incredibly soothing. I discovered it last night just via my recommended page, and I watched all of his videos when I was stoned. There's only, I think it's like six or seven videos. Can't wait for there to be more because I'm a stan. There's no talking in his videos, which for me is key but there are captions and everything is beautifully shot and just calming and pleasant. I stan. Besides that, I have just been binge-watching Obsession Dark Desires. It might sound like a Cinemax After Dark feature from 1998, but it's actually a series on the ID channel about stalking. For some reason, I've always really gravitated to true crime content about stalking specifically, despite the fact that I've been victimized in that way myself. Honestly, the TLDR of that show, in my eyes, is defund the police. I also watched the ID Channel special on Brittany Murphy, and I just have to say... Troy McKeady and Dunzo did it better. They really glossed over a lot of things, so if you love Brittany Murphy like I do and you want answers, then just listen to his Brittany and Simon episode. Another point of view presented in that ID special I found infuriating was how they spoke about Brittany's physical transformation. As we all know, she lost a ton of weight and went blonde before her career really skyrocketed. But they said in these words that prior to that, she was just stuck as a fat girl. Again, their words, which is like, hello? There's nothing wrong with being that body type, and that's not inherently an insult, But I feel the problem as it pertains to Brittany Murphy is that she was already small to begin with, like circa Clueless. And she was forced to shrink herself to an extreme extent, thereby highlighting the super skewed and arbitrary standards for women in the entertainment industry. There's a lot more to unpack than I'm equipped to discuss in an articulate or coherent manner. But that narrative has always driven me absolutely insane. They also failed to mention that she was in Girl Interrupted, which is an Oscar-winning film, when they were explaining the upward trajectory of her film portfolio. The point being is just check if there's a Dunzo episode covering it before you watch a cable TV retrospective on any celebrity scandal or death. There is one thing I'm fairly certain no podcast has covered, and that is Real Housewives of Vancouver, Season 2, Episode 5. Sometimes I feel like I've put myself in a box, like a minuscule echo chamber of my own making, by choosing to recap a franchise that seemingly no one in America has seen or even heard of but I'm living, laughing, and loving regardless. Also, please don't be shy in suggesting what series you'd like me to cover next, because when this season is over, I'm going to continue this format of entire season recaps moving forward. So we left off at Amanda's birthday dinner last week. Ronnie was expertly shit stirring. Mary didn't want to go there with Jody frothing at the mouth, with every intention of, in fact, going there. After some back and forth, Mary just maintains they should let Amanda enjoy her evening. Much to my surprise, Jody actually backs off, and everyone cheerses. After a bit, a side conversation between Mary and Robin starts where Mary's just saying how badly she wants to leave. Thankfully for Mary, her phone just so happens to ring with news that her friend's kid was run over by a bus. During the course of this brief conversation, Jody stares her down like a hawk the entire time. Once she hangs up, she relays the awful news to everyone and says she might have to leave. Ulia also happens to know this friend, so she calls her in front of everyone to ask if she's okay. And quickly, it becomes pretty clear that no kid was actually hit by a bus. I completely understand Mary's desperation. But I also thrive on secondhand embarrassment on television, so I was obsessed with this whole situation. If I was attending an outing where I knew my number one hater would be, I would have a plan that's more fully realized. I actually probably wouldn't go anywhere where my number one hater would be, but if I did, I would just leave with no reason given because I don't feel like I need to explain myself to anybody. But devil's advocate, in a Redditor voice, if I did want to go the extra mile, it would be better thought out than this ham-fisted maneuver. In this moment, Ulia confirms my love for her because she's a real bitch and she just insists that they talk about it later when Robin presses the subject because she doesn't want to blow up Mary's spot in front of the group. So it's all chalked up to a misunderstanding. So Mary's shit out of luck because she refuses to just say she wants to leave. Instead, she poorly improvises and says she absolutely has to leave now because her kids are having a wild party at her house. Everyone's fairly certain that she's lying, and that's confirmed almost immediately. Once she takes off, Ronnie excuses herself to the bathroom shortly thereafter. This restaurant is in a hotel or something because on her way to the bathroom, Ronnie sees Mary having a drink and just key keying with the masses at the bar next door. So when I say next door, I mean this bar is in the same building as the restaurant, which is why Ronnie spotted her with such ease. Ronnie is rabid to share the news. Of course, everyone's ripping Mary apart. That's pretty much the major storyline of both seasons of this show. This gets compounded by Amanda abruptly announcing that Mary blames Ronnie for she and Jody's problems. This was not shown on camera, and I don't think Amanda and Mary speak outside of filming, so I find that hard to believe. I know we just saw Mary lying over and over and doing it really poorly, but in this specific case, I'm Team Zilba. I just tried to think of an alliterative stand name for Mary, but the only thing I could come up with. With was Zilba Zygote, which is frankly appalling. Anyways, during this time, Robin is defending Mary with her life while everyone else just continues to rip her apart. The next day, Robin is meeting with Mary in an attempt to get to the bottom of things. She knows Mary lied, but she doesn't hold it against her because of the understandable nature so she just wants to sort of talk it out. Robin describes the evisceration of Mary after her departure, but she also says Mary sort of brought it on herself because of the clumsy lying of it all. Mary refuses to own the fact that she lied, and she says she simply got sidetracked with acquaintances at the bar next door. Robin's literally a good friend to Mary, and she's trying to help, like, save her further ridicule and embarrassment by nudging her to just own up. Naturally, Mary still refuses. I totally get why Mary wanted to leave, but I still don't understand why she didn't just do that. Goodbye and no are complete sentences. I love leaving outings without a reason, and I love when people do it to me. I'm being dead serious. I have one friend in particular who pre-COVID I loved hanging out with, and we always have a great time together. But at a certain point in the evening, when things are winding down, she'll just be like, well, my Uber's on the way. And I think that should be normalized, especially considering Mary already tried to leave once, so it doesn't really help her case here i do not think she deserves the insane bullying from jody period but this isn't helping in another scene with robin we see cole who's the child we met last week and he's coming over her house with his dad because let me ra- remind you he's like 12 so they can practice their duet. The Thunderbird Grand Prix is upon us soon, so Robin's super nervous because this is kind of their only opportunity to rehearse before the big day. Last week, I retracted that their event is called the Grand Prix, but right now I'm retracting that retraction because the full name is, in fact, Thunderbird Grand Prix. So I was right all along, and I should not have wavered in my confidence. When describing Cole, Robin says he's a star. He's been on Ellen. I love that criteria. She wants their duet to sound like her vision, so she proceeds to micromanage him throughout the rehearsal as a result. In her opinion, it's a little shaky, so that just amplifies her nerves even further. I'm still obsessed with a 40-something-year-old woman being forced to duet with, like, a little kid. Ulia is having an art party, and everyone but Mary is in attendance. She did invite her, but allegedly Mary is shooting a music video. Initially, I didn't believe this given the earlier incident, but it is actually true because we get to see the process for ourselves. Jody and Amanda ride in a limo to the party while talking shit about Mary because that seems to be the only conversation topic they have. Robin arrives wearing a poncho made out of soda can tabs because she thinks it's perfect for an art theme. Literally, her art pop can mean anything. Jodi laughs hysterically about this garment in her confessional, but to Robin's face she says that it's fabulous. There are more valuable confessional insights from Jodi, the first being that Ulya is good at drinking vodka, dance music, and looking hot. I realize this was backhanded, but I was shocked to hear Jodi compliment anyone's physical appearance when it seems like she loves to tear people down in that department. She also says, oh, to be 26 and Russian again, as if she was Russian at one point and is no longer. The food spread looks really robust and great, which I appreciate. It looks like there are several different kinds of caviar. I'm speaking of pre-pandemic times because there are no outings to speak of these days, But I get really irritated when there's no food in social situations. I've learned to at least pack a snack for myself just in case, because unfortunately I am one of those people who just turns into an evil demon when they're hungry. Before the art portion of the evening commences, the ladies are just casually chatting. Amanda was asking about Ulia's stepchildren and her husband's travel schedule. And she says that the little one who we have not met is in boarding school because we've met two of her stepkids. Both of them are old enough to drink, but apparently there's a little one in the mix. After she explains the little one is in school, the women are all like, but it's summer. So where is she? And basically, Ulia has no idea where she is. Everyone's clutching their pearls that Ulia doesn't know where her child is. But it's not her actual child. So I feel everyone should calm down, enjoy the nice caviar she set out for you, and worry about yourself. A naked man named Dave emerges from the shadows, who they're all supposed to draw, and everyone is scandalized. Allegedly, Dave is supposed to be good-looking, so I'll take their word for it. All of them are having fun, Jodi especially, who can hardly contain herself and is just screaming and flailing like a banshee. I feel like all of the women are weirdly good at drawing and art. I guess I'm not an expert on the field, but all of their drawings looked really good to me. Ronnie says in all seriousness that hers could sell for a lot of money and that she's a fine artist. Again, I don't know enough about the subject to dispute that, and I don't see why not. I truly would love a Ronnie Stevenson original to frame. For once in her entire life, Jody only has glowing things to say about the party. This will all change soon at the Thunderbird Grand Prix, but before we get there, we hear some of Jodi's good news. She and Mia are sitting down. They're discussing the art party and how much fun it was, when Jody drops the bomb, she has been invited to Toronto to guest judge on Top Chef Canada. I need to track down this episode, like, yesterday. I could be making this up, but I think she's also been on Chopped Canada. Real Housewives of Neopia is basically sponsored by Chopped Canada at this point. I haven't even watched it. But yeah. I've since privated my Tory spelling episode because the audio was so horrendous and I was overall unhappy with it. But lest we forget the Chopped Canada 2 conflict. I'm strongly considering doing full season recaps of True Tory, so let me know if you want that or if you would prefer something that's less upsetting. Enter Thunderbird. Everyone's there, and Jody's furious about Mary's presence because she insists that it is Robin's event, and Robin's event only, even though Mary is also performing. They're going to a barn in the middle of nowhere, but in spite of that, Ronnie's wearing an Aliyah. I love that about her. After Mary sings the Canadian National Anthem, then Robin and Cole as a team sing the American National Anthem, Jody is moved to tears by Robin's voice. Everyone rallies around Robin while completely ignoring Mary. Jody is also laying it on extremely thick how beautiful Robin's voice is and how much of a gift she has while Mary is in earshot. Of course, I wouldn't expect Jody to congratulate Mary. I also wouldn't go out of my way to compliment someone I hate, but it was kind of sad seeing Mary stand off to the side while absolutely no one acknowledged her. They all sit down for drinks after, with a woman named Mishaya also in attendance. So Mishaya is actually the woman who allegedly called Mary to say that her son was hit by a bus... So Amanda wastes no time in directly addressing her in front of everybody. Mishaya insists it was a miscommunication and that Mary simply misheard her. So Ronnie starts applauding. She says, "Very well rehearsed rock and roll, nicely done." Even though I would not be in this situation at all as an adult because of things I said earlier, I know that feeling when you're caught in. A lie that's just embarrassing that didn't actually hurt anyone. And it's just, like, big middle school vibes. It takes me to a place of Pen15. At that point, Jody individually pulls everyone away from the table to invite them to Toronto in front of Mary. Everyone except for Robin, who she has Ronnie, ask on her behalf. So that's where it ends. I feel like nothing happened in this episode. Like there was so little actual content. I don't know how long I've been talking at this point, but I feel as though this was a five-minute recap. But based on the previews for next week, I think there'll be more than making up for it. So we'll find out next Friday. And I can't wait. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I will be dropping Rock of Loverty caps on Wednesday on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Real Housewives of Neopia, and you can find me on Instagram at botoxgroupon B-O-T-O-X-G-R-O-U-P-O-N, and the pod on Instagram at Real Housewives of Neopia. Thank you guys so much for your support and for listening. As always, I truly couldn't do it without you. So yeah, I love you all so much and I'll see you very soon. Goodbye.